Romans chapter 4. Spending our time walking through the book of Romans, can anybody guess how many lessons we're on? Just shoot a guess out there. I, I always find this so interesting. Thirteen. It's a lot more than that. Twenty-three is close. Twenty-four. This is our twenty-fourth lesson, and we're only in Romans chapter four. I love it. I think it's great. Maybe you're bored out of your mind, okay? I am not. I love it. I'm excited about it, and I want to continue on. Have you ever had an identity crisis? (laughs) How about maybe a, a midlife crisis? Anybody? Where you think, oh, what have I done with my life, and where am I going? We've had these identity crises. Who am I? What have I accomplished in my life? Maybe this is a good question. What are my priorities? Like, what's going on? Have I wasted my life thus far? What more can I do to serve the Lord? All of these different things that we think of. And I think every once in a while, all of us at some point struggle or have an identity crisis. It usually doesn't come when things are going really well, does it? Not usually. Because when things are going really well, you're like, on cloud nine, just sailing, man. I got everything under control. It's all good. Everything's working in my favor. It usually comes when things are difficult. When things don't go the way that you plan, when things are, are, are becoming a little bit more of a struggle, or we don't plan things this way and they happen this way, and we begin to question ourselves. Am I really doing the right thing? Am I really, uh, you know, what is my place here on this earth? Uh, Am I being a good father? Am I being a good husband? Am I being a good spouse? All of these different things we begin to ask during difficult times because difficult times often help us to reevaluate things. But no doubt in this passage today, Paul is talking to the Jews that are at Rome, and they are probably getting ready to be in an identity crisis. An identity crisis. So let me ask you by start by asking you some Bible trivia, okay? Bible trivia, so get ready. You don't have to stand up or anything. I just want to ask you some questions. Who is Abraham? Who is Abraham? The son of Terah. Good answer. That's true. Who is Abraham? Anybody else? Everybody's like freaking out here. He's talking to us. The father of all nations, good. Anybody else? Who were, who were Abraham's children? Oh boy. Isaac and Ishmael. Good. All right. Oh boy. This is going to get good real fast. Okay, that's good, but he did have two children. He had two children, Isaac and Ishmael. Okay, does anybody know what he was known as? The friend of God. Good, what did you say, Paul? The friend of God. Okay, good. He was known as the friend of God. He was also known as the father of the Jews. Okay, these are all things that Abraham was known on. He was also the father of, of the Arab nations through Ishmael. Okay, all of these things are true. And these are all things that identify Abraham. And by the way, they identify Jewish people as well, because they call him Father Abraham, right? 
But let's take a look at the identity crisis that Paul creates. He actually creates an identity crisis. Look with me in Romans chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 8. We'll read down. If you'll remember, we, we finished with Romans chapter 8 two weeks ago. And it says this, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Okay, this is taken from Psalm. And then verse 9 says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet, being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Now, if you're already thinking, whoa, those are some big words, that's a lot. You're right. And I'm going to try my very best to break it down for you and give you something practical at the end. I want you to understand this this evening that this verse is important. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. This word blessed is very important. Okay? There is a blessing. There is a promise. There is something that is coming. But I want you to notice verse 9. Okay? Can this blessedness, so can blessedness upon the circumcision only? Okay, so now you have to realize what Paul is doing. The typical Jewish answer here is no. Okay, because look at verse 8. Let me show you. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. Okay, so sin being, being present, will he remove that sin? Okay, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or I forgot, to, I forgot to finish the question, so you guys are right, or upon the uncircumcision also? The answer is no, absolutely not. Uncircumcision will not have their sins removed from them. Not happening. Okay, so God will not impute their sin to them. The uncircumcision will not have that. They're going to have their sin given to them. They're going to pay for their sin. It is their sin that they are going to pay. So as far as the Jew was concerned, if you were uncircumcised, you were a Gentile dog. You were in sin. You were as far away from the Lord as possible. You, you, just, you know what? You might as well not even step foot in here because you're not worthy because you're an uncircumcised. In fact, many times, you remember David and Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine. I mean, it was well known that if you were uncircumcised, you were an enemy of the Lord. You were, if you will, as dead in your sin as you possibly could be if you were uncircumcised. So unless you were circumcised, you were not having your sins forgiven. You would be paying for your sins. This is the thought process. Okay, so this is the question, and this is kind of the identity crisis that Paul begins to create. He begins to question them about this. But Paul is about to say, listen, I know that you think that circumcision is the most important thing in the world, and that identifies you with God, but hold on. Look at verse 10. How was it then reckoned when he was 
in circumcision or in uncircumcision? When was it? When did this all happen? When was righteousness imputed unto Abraham? In circumcision or in uncircumcision? He answers the question, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So now, have you ever tested the Bible to see if it's true? Okay, now this is important. This is something you ought to do. Paul makes a very bold statement and creates, literally creates an identity crisis. Is he right? Oh, we think he's right, but is he actually? So let's actually go back and look. Abraham, what Paul is claiming here is Abraham believed God and had righteousness imputed unto him before he was circumcised. So let's go back. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Might as well keep your finger there in Romans chapter 4. We are going to be back. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Okay? I want you to notice what's going on. Um, we read this passage last or two weeks ago. Uh, verse 4 says, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall be thine heir, but he shall not come forth out of thine own bowels, shall be thine heir. So he's, he's saying, Not Elias or somebody that's coming from your own bowels. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if you, thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. I'm promising you all kinds of seed. Verse 6, here it is. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, he was imputed righteousness. Now we need to go over to Genesis chapter 17. By the way, this is two chapters later. Chapter 16. Guess what Abraham does? He decides that he's going to take things into his own hands and fulfill God's will for his own life. And he takes Hagar and has a child by her whose name is Ishmael. And so chapter 16, he's progressing and he tries to do something. But I want you to notice chapter 17 and verse 9. After all this happens, and God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. This is the introduction. Verse 11, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man-child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, watch now, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. Okay, now that last verse is extremely important to a Jewish person. It, it, it says that if you are circumcised, you are a part of God's covenant. And if you're not, then you have no lot here with us. 
But Paul is creating what I like to call an identity crisis. He's beginning to show them that what they think is circumcision being the main thing, he's saying, no, 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 no. So even the great father Abraham, who had many sons, and many sons had father Abraham. That was a joke. It's going to be a long night. Guess what? He received the blessing before his circumcision. He re- don't miss that. He received the blessing before circumcision. Now, we see verse 10 here. I want you to see verse 11. Okay, maybe flip back. You're going to need Genesis chapter 17. Don't lose that. Verse 11. So it was of circumcision, end of verse 10. Not uncircumcision. All right, I messed that up. And he received, verse 11, the sign of circumcision. He received the sign. Okay? So don't miss this. He, by faith, believes God. Please don't miss this, okay? I want you just to stop there for a second in your Bibles, okay? By faith, he is imputed righteousness. And then, guess what? He receives a sign, and that sign is circumcision. So by faith he believes, and it's imputed unto him righteousness. And then there was a sign given unto him because of that, and that sign was circumcision. Notice in verse 11. So the sign of circumcision. Notice with me here, a seal of the righteousness of the faith. It's a seal. It's something that sealed the righteousness of faith. So he started in uncircumcision in receiving the righteousness by faith, and then it was sealed with circumcision. Circumcision was the seal. Now, I need you to go back to chapter 7, Genesis chapter 17. Look with me in verse 23. Keep your finger here. We'll go back and forth. In verse 17, verse 23. Look, and Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Okay, are you understanding? Okay, this is, this is important. You're like, why is this so important? Okay, we'll get there. But this is important. Before he was circumcised, he, by faith, I think this is like the 12th time I've said this, by faith was imputed righteousness. And then God gave him the seal, the token, if you will, of his covenant, his righteous covenant, the seal of the righteousness of faith. Now, this is interesting about God. Very, very often, I guess I cannot say every time because I've not studied it out completely, but very, very often God seals his promises. God gives us something that we can attribute to him and that solidifies our relationship with him. It's kind of like Hey, 
I'm going to give you this so that you will always know that my promise is true. You know what we do? Wedding ring. Okay, it's a token of our love. It's the seal that we are going to love you forever because of the ring. It's round, it's perfectly round, and it doesn't have any end, right? All of the things that we listen to in a wedding. That's the purpose. I'm giving you a token I'm giving you a sign of my promise. Let me give you a few examples. Noah, what was the, what was the token of Noah? Rainbow, right? That was his. I will never flood the earth again. Guess what? Guess when that came? After the flood. Okay? Abraham, circumcision. How about David? Anybody know about David? What his was? The kingly line. All the way through, David would have no, no one, excuse me, I should put it this way. Every person in the kingdom of Judah would always be from David's line. And guess where Jesus came from? From David's line. Okay, so these are the tokens. These are the things that God gives us. In fact, go back to Genesis chapter 17. Look at verse 11. I've already read it, but hopefully, maybe you missed it. And he shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. This is the token, the sign, the seal, if you will. Now, here's some more Bible trivia. Maybe you don't know this, but what is the seal or the token of our faith? Holy Ghost. Oh, you people are so smart. This is good, all right? It is not circumcision. It's not. It is the Holy Ghost. By the way, the Jews thought it was circumcision, and they thought the Gentiles ought to take on circumcision, hence the book of Galatians. The entire book of Galatians is, is prefaced by that particular thing. Listen, it's not about circumcision. The seal of our faith is the Holy Spirit. So let's study that out a little bit. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says this, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, don't miss this, don't miss this, also after that ye believed, what? ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You got it? Faith, after you believe, sealed. Faith, after you believe, sealed. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our seal. He is our comforter. Guess what? The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Why? That we are the children of God. I, I, this is like blowing my mind. I love this. He has given us the Holy Spirit to bear witness, to seal, to show a sign that we are the children of God. That's exactly what circumcision was for Abraham. That's exactly what circumcision was for the Jews. It was a sign that they were the children of God. 
But don't miss this yet. Look at verse 14. The Holy Spirit of promise, verse 13, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Earnest. He is also, he's not just the seal. He's not just the sign. He's the earnest. Earnest means down payment. Earnest means down payment. Or let's put it this way, a security deposit. I'm going to give you this because I'm coming back for the rest. Oh, man. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit not just to give us a sign that, that we are his and that he is our comforter, but to say, I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back to receive you again unto myself. He will receive the rest of us into glory when Jesus comes again. It's exciting. And this is why the story of Abraham is so important. Because I want you to notice something. Abraham is not simply the father of the Jews. Notice with me, he is the father of faith. This is important. He is the father of faith. Look at the rest of verse 11. Romans chapter 4, maybe you go back there. Look at the rest of verse 11. Okay, verse Verse uh, 11 starts, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised. Why? That he might be the father of all them that believe. The father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised. Circumcision, uncircumcision, doesn't matter. Abraham, the father of faith, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Hello, identity crisis. Oh, stink. I thought Abraham was our father, the Jews are saying. And now he's the father of anybody who believes? Are you kidding me? Identity crisis, because again, remember, Gentile dogs. The Holy Spirit is our seal. The Holy Spirit is our earnest. And yet, Abraham is our father. Circumcised or not. Why is this important? Abraham is the father of faith. Why? why? Because he was just like any other man. He was. He was just like any other man. He messed up. He did things wrong. But get this, he believed God. He believed God. He had faith in God, and because of that faith, it was counted to him for righteousness. It was counted to him for righteousness. Let's continue, verse 12. And the father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also Walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. He just continues to repeat this. I love this portion. He is the father so of those so that we can walk in his steps. Notice that verse. But who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Abraham walked in faith. 
Abraham walked in faith. Guess what he did? He trusted the Lord. And here's the good news. We can follow in those same steps. Oh, do we have to be circumcised? Do we have to follow the law? No, 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 no. We get to follow in faith. We get to walk in faith. We can trust the Lord in every step of our journey. We can trust the Lord in every way that we go. In fact, Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 and 24, the Bible says this, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. Here's some more Bible trivia for you. Did Abraham ever fall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Hagar. How many times did he, he ran to Egypt once? He ran to Philistia, Gerar once. And said, oh, no, 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 this isn't my wife. This is my sister, which was actually partly true. And he didn't trust God. And the whole reason he was in Egypt in the first place was because there was a famine in the land and he didn't trust God. And guess what? Falls flat on his face and God halts everything and says to Pharaoh, listen, this man is, his, that's his wife. And, and Abimelech in, in Gerar, he says, listen, no, 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 that's his wife. And, and Abimelech gives him wonderful things and says, listen, next time just tell the truth, man. And he falls flat on his face. But guess what he does? Every single time Abraham falls flat on his face, he comes back to God. He comes back to Hebron. He comes back to Bethel. And he gets on his face before God and he builds an altar and he says, oh God, I messed up again. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Let me encourage you. We get to walk in those same steps. Have any of you ever fallen? Let me give you another verse. For a Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Listen, God has given us these things. And he said, listen, I have given you an example of Abraham. Abraham was not perfect. He's fallen. He's done wrong. He's messed up. But I've upholded him with my hand. He is your father of faith. It was his faith that continued to progress him on and on and on and on. Faith is important. Faith is important. Now let's continue on through the passage I forgot to write those in. Verse 13 of Romans chapter 4. The Bible says this. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The promise, don't miss this, the promise was not made to Abraham if he obeyed the law. Okay, if you go back, we, I don't want to go back, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, 16, 17, nowhere in there do you see God say, if you obey the law, which by the way hasn't been given yet, <laughs> then I will give you this promise. No, no, no. God said, I promise you. And guess what? Abraham believed 
And guess what? It was imputed unto him for righteousness. So there is nothing. So notice, it is not through the law, but it's through the righteousness of faith. It is by faith. It was not made under the condition that Abraham would obey every detail of every law. The promise was made by faith. By the way, I want you to notice this phrase again here. Righteousness of faith. Righteousness of faith. I believe this. I believe so often we think that righteousness is when we do all of the right things. Let me ask you today. If I was to ask you, sitting where you are right now, are you righteous? What would your answer be? Okay. <laughs> That's good. I'm just, hopefully that's from learning from this. I'm just telling you, if somebody had asked me that a couple years ago, I'd have said, no, I'm not holy. But the reality is, if the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all sin, then yes, I am righteous. How did that righteousness come? Not by me doing right. It didn't. It came only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Righteousness only comes through faith. Faith brings righteousness, not works. We could go through a lot of verses. Romans 1.17, Romans 3.22, Philippians 3.9, Hebrews 11.7. All say that righteousness is from faith. Righteousness is from faith. Now this continues, verse 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs. Look at this. Faith is made void. And the promise made of none effect. If we could just follow the law, if we could gain righteousness by following the law, faith would be empty and would be useless. I just do. I just do. I just do. By the way, this flies right into the face of every religious person of the day. And quite frankly, it flies in the face of every major denomination in our world today. Every major denomination in our world today thinks I have to do, do, and Baptists too. Don't count us out. Oh, we may never say that's how you get salvation, but that's all we focus on after salvation is do, 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 do. And never mind, I'm not doing that. But if we could just follow the law, it would be empty. Also, I want you to notice that the promise, the promise that was made, none effect. Wow. Wow. I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 3 with me. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 18 might even have this. Nope. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 18. He just reiterates, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So if all I had to do was work for it, the promises of none effect. Makes no sense. Make, it's just void, gone, cut off, nothing. 
It's of none effect. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. He promised him something, and then by faith he believed it, and then it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Much the same we have today. God promised, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Promised the work already done. Trusting in that, we gain righteousness. I want you to look at verse 15 of Romans chapter 4. The Bible says this, Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Verse 16, Therefore, once again, it is of faith. Why? Why? Why is it of faith? That it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure. To who? To all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. I love this. The promise might be sure to all the seed. Promise might be sure to all the seed. The promise of faith, so that it can be of grace. Faith and grace. Grace and faith constantly, closely connected. And we see that this promise, because it's by faith, might be sure. Might be I don't know how to put it any better than that. It's, it's a sure thing. Have you ever heard that? You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. The promise that I made is going to be sure. The promise of faith. The promise made not only to those that keep the law, but also those who have faith. I know I'm kind of burning through these last couple, but I want you to notice this part right here in verse 17. The parenthetical statement. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is Brother Neil said this, the father of many nations. Look at this word, many. All of these things that we've talked about, faith and all the seed. We think, and the Jews thought, Abraham is our father. Because he's the one to, to whom which we came from. He's the one that gave birth to Isaac, and Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob to the 12 patriarchs, and the 12 patriarchs to everyone else. So we look at this as Jews, and we go, yeah, he's our father. But guess what the Jews are? They're only one nation. You ever notice that? The Jewish nation. But the Bible says, God says, in fact, let's go over there. Go back to see what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 17, look with me in verse 5. This is when God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And this is the definition of Abraham. Notice, neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. Why? For a father of many nations have I made thee. Let's be honest. Quite frankly, there's only two nations that ever came out of Abraham. That's not many. 
So how are there many? How are there many? Because Abraham is not just the father of the Jewish nation. He is the father of many nations because of one word, faith. He's the father of faith. And guess what? That doesn't happen just for Jews. It happens for Americans, Canadians, Europeans, Dutch. I mean, you fill in the blank. Russian, Ukrainian, Romanian. I mean, you fill in the blank. All these nations, guess what? Their father, Abraham. Listen, Abraham just didn't receive a Jewish seed. Guess what he received? The seed of all faith. He's the father of faith. He stepped out in faith and trusted the Lord. And he made that faith say, listen, if Abraham can do it, anybody can. Anybody can trust God. Faith is one of the most important things in our lives. And it has been modeled for us. It has been modeled in Abraham. It has been modeled throughout the entire Bible. It's been modeled in Noah. It's been modeled in Abraham. It's been modeled in Moses. It's been modeled in David. It's been modeled in Solomon. It's been modeled in Nehemiah. It's been modeled in Ezra. It's been modeled in Esther. Listen, Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the, the minor prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah. It's been modeled. It's been modeled. It's been modeled. It's been modeled by the 12 apostles. It's been modeled by Paul the apostle. It's been modeled by Stephen. It's been modeled before us. Listen, all because of our father Abraham, a model of faith. You say, okay, I've already got faith, Pastor Yeomans. I already know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I've already got it. I, I'm good. Why do we keep harping on this faith thing? Because here's the deal. Faith does not stop. Faith does not stop after we get saved. Faith continues. We continue to have to trust the Lord. You know, we don't necessarily please God when we do things. But you know, there is something that does please God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Let me finish with this. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and I love this, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Faith. Faith keeps searching. Faith keeps seeking after Christ. Faith doesn't stop. Faith keeps growing. So we don't necessarily please God when we do. We please Him with our faith. So let me ask you, are you living a life right now full of faith? Full of faith. What are you trusting God for right now? You see, we don't have to live our life trying to do more. I, do, I don't believe we have to try to do more. I believe we have to live our life trusting 
more. Simply trusting every day. Trusting through the stormy way. Listen, we can trust Jesus. It's all about our faith. My faith looks up to thee. Thou, Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. And that song progresses through, and our hope is in heaven. We need faith. By the way, I believe this. When we trust and we have faith in God and we're spending our time with God and our focus is on God, I quite frankly believe this with all my heart. We won't have to worry about trying to do more. When God calls us to do something, guess what we'll do? Because we have faith, we'll just do it. We'll act upon it. And this is where James comes in. I'll show you my faith by my works. Because faith comes first. And faith is an important part of our lives. And it's impossible without faith to please God. I know this is a lot. I mean, I, I, it's probably confusing. But Abraham is not just the father of the Jewish nation. He's the father of any nation that puts their faith and trust in God. He's the father of many, many nations. And the Lord did not lie when he wrote that in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 5. Faith is an important part of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, in so many ways I feel like I've almost confused more, but Father... I pray that today we would realize how important faith is in our life. It's not just something we had in our past or something that we you know, think about occasionally. Father, it ought to be in every day, every moment of our lives because without it, we cannot please you. And Father, I pray that as we look at Abraham's life, and we will again next week, we will just realize that Abraham, man, is a friend of God as he is. And he still had his struggles. He still had his hard times. But yet he continued to come back to you and trust you and trust you and trust you and trust you. And so I pray that today, these people that hear this message today would just consistently trust you. Father, I don't know if there's one here today that's struggling with something, struggling with their faith in you. I pray that today they would just give it to you, cast their care upon you, because we know that you care for us. And we're praying all these things for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.